We have so many stories in our lives, but our stories are not always heard. On the Hear My True Story podcast, we tell our own true stories. Before the white car backed, our head teacher had scattered. Looking at him, I could only see his tie that was flying backwards, waving at us, and he disappeared in thin air. I want to share my life story. I want to share my voice with the people because I know that uh, just a small joke I can tell through this, this podcast, it will make someone smile. When you ask me what I fear most in life, I would definitely respond to you and say it's fear itself. We are fighting for togetherness. We are fighting for equal rights. We are fighting to end injustice. You don't have to be a storyteller or writer because, guess what? Life writes the best stories. Hear my true stories. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one, one podcast. Hear my true stories. Yeah, thank you so much, our dear listeners. Thank you for coming back on to our next part of this conversation with Mariam as we talk about human trafficking. So, uh, please, can you maybe introduce yourself for our dear listeners? Uh, our dear listeners, good afternoon. Yeah, it's afternoon. Um, I'm Mariam Mweza, an anti-human trafficking activist and CEO of Seas Workers Voice Uganda, uh, an organization that that was that was started 2019 with a name of right of fighting and ending human trafficking now we want to know how does she rescue girls from the middle east what part is being played by the government of uganda to end this vice so i, I just want to ask you your organization is based yes. in uganda yeah yes so yes. i mean I, i want to know How can your organization really rescue these girls from the Middle East? Mm-hmm. And yet you're best in Uganda. How do you do it? I mean, maybe there's someone there who would like to know. Yeah. First and foremost, it is it is one of the of those tiresome kind of work that mm. must do with passion, accompanied it is accompanied with risks. It is a company, even before you brought me on air, I had a very threatening message on my phone. And, uh, but it's, anyway, that's what we always do. So how do we help these girls? Immediately the person, you know, first when I, I started doing this, I made sure I was on all social media platforms. It's just unfortunate that I haven't gotten a, a website But at least I used all my social media platforms to talk more about trafficking. I started doing the, uh, the live, uh, you know, live videos in uh, trying to reach some radio stations and TVs. So people now started getting to know me and I started giving out my one line number, the mobile number. So mm. by start, them started to talk to me. Now, at first, for honestly, The first year, I had no clue about this, how to do it. It was just a matter of, you know, calling, whoever I'm calling, I will either get a response or not. So 
I now this is what we do that when person contacts us either through any social media platforms or or giving us a direct call, we just ask you the next of kin or a family member that we will deal with. Now, this applies to both those that are, that were taken by the companies and those that were taken by the local agents. So when you get to know this person, we get details of the, of the victim, uh, where this person is, how, when did she leave the country, what is the problem. So from there, because personally, I never try to engage the Minister of Labor here, because that is the ministry responsible for this. Surprisingly, or unfortunately, I was just out of the Ministry of Labor, but I delayed of Labor. But I did not give up because I really knew what I wanted. I like, couldn't you know, get discouraged. I just used, this, used it as an opportunity to stay strong in this fight. So when I was ignored by Ministry of Labor, I was just by the way. And then the second phase, we would be supposed to use police and other relevant offices, but police, they gathered one day and they made a press a statement that I'm being fueled by the anti-government people. So they are the ones trying to use me to tarnish the image of the country. So I had to abandon the police as well. Now it means that I had to remain alone and find all possible ways to rescue Ugandans. So what I resorted into was us or I now engaging the companies direct. You call, uh, if I get chance and they listen to me, I will work with them. If they don't respond to me, I will try to make sure that I get the numbers from the other side where this person was taken to. Then or else I will talk to the boss direct. So um, the company here and the company the other side and the sponsor. I, most case, in most cases, we deal with those ones because these offices that I would be working with as an organization, they see me as an enemy of the, business, of the recruitive business. So this is how, so after calling, sometimes they will ignore, but then I keep pushing, I keep pushing, I keep telling them I'm doing this. And even though those ones that are taken by local agents, I call all of them, I call the traffickers. And so sometimes the traffickers, they, they, they threaten me, but then still I'm like, okay, I have to keep doing this. I don't have an alternative. So in, in all that, you find me, my major point, I always, in such cases, I, my main interest is in repatriation. How do I rescue these girls? So there are those that you find when they have no, completely nothing, like any money on them. What do I always do? There are some people here in Uganda, some, state, some, you know, some partitions, close friends, that if a person is in that very bad situation, I can call one and I say, honorable, oh, this person, and maybe this person is touched on, he or she will buy the ticket. In cases where I don't get chance to be helped by a person like that, this means I will have to take to the family because me, I don't have funds. So I will talk to the family, please let us look for a ticket. Then I will you know, engage these offices until we get this person back. So in, in, in terms of repatriation, that's how I always do it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you talked about the the Minister of Gender that is in charge of this department in Uganda. 
having chased you? What were the reason? What reason did they give? I mean, why did they say we don't want to deal with your cases of human trafficking? First of all, mm. I thought because I had appeared on social media on on on, on some on media stations, you know, criticizing the entire thing. Now, I think when I appeared, I thought at first I had appeared to them like a person completely against them. Mm. But when I went back, you know, I love making research. When I went back, I said, but now, but opposition people who do work with government, so why am I just in making mm. my research? I discovered that most of the top officials in the Ministry of Labor have the labor export companies. Mm. Very unfortunate. Now, this means that the more I hit, the more I pin them, I pin the companies, I'm also pinning them. So this is why completely, even up to now, I haven't succeeded to work with them. So, however, I would be working with them because to fight human trafficking, it needs to combine efforts. Mm. So, you know? so that's why the, the major reason I was just because the owners of these companies, including some officials, Mr. Williams, at our embassy in Riyadh, they own companies in Uganda. So, so you mean uh, people in the ministry that in charge of exporting labor in Uganda, yeah? Yes. Most of the officials there own companies that export labor to this mm. Middle East and girls are subjected to modern slavery. They end up being trafficked. And also embassies in these countries, officials there also own companies in Uganda that bring girls in these countries where they end up being trafficked. So in 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 simple term the cartel of human trafficking in Uganda is 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 a big cartel that includes government plus agencies plus other mafias that do trafficking. So in, in that cartel that you see mm. Williams are never been chased by four generals of the Ugandan army. Because mm. they had one company that was recruiting the girls, and one girl got sick. So in my fight, in my experience, in my process, oh, it, it was just same cause. It's now when I came to realize that oh, even the generals in 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 army, the ones we are seeing, they also in this in the cartel, they are all the the, the chain is that strong. That's how strong it is. So this is how it is a bit tricky that even when the ministry is supposed to do something, then there is this order from above. I've called you. Don't do this. Don't talk about my company. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Hear my true story. That, that brings another question. I, I just bring it right now here. I didn't write it down. Uh, I mean... When you talk about the cartel that is working in big institutions, big ministries in Uganda that are supposed to fight human trafficking, and these big ministries and offices are funded by the government to fight human trafficking. And they also are funded by big international organizations to fight human trafficking in Uganda. I mean, how how does this really work? How 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 is the government fighting human trafficking? I just want to know. No, no, no. It is not fighting human trafficking. It is instead fueling human trafficking. 
Instead of fighting their fuel and heat, ask me how. How? You know, having these the the, 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 the government officials who were supposed to be part of people like my campaign, mm. these offices, had you ever, for, for, for the time I've been here, I'm longing to see the Internal Affairs Ministry, the Ministry of Gender and Labor. I'm longing to see them having campaigns and creating awareness in the schools about trafficking. It is always done by small organizations that are having sympathy or love for the country. But the government aided such programs. I'm longing to see them in my country. And I haven't seen any. So that means they are fueling it. They are not even fighting it. Oh. But I, I mean, I see so many... Um, when, when I go online, I see so many campaigns that are being run by the, the, the state of Uganda fighting human trafficking. What do you mean by saying that they are, they are not doing anything? Those... Those that are the ones that you see online, Mr. Williams, I just want you to learn or to get one thing from me. Oh. Eh? That if there is the best way to make a team to fight human trafficking by the government would be teaming with organizations like us, not an individual person. Eh? So Uganda, we have this tendency of putting things on social media, but when in actual sense it's not there. Because the moment you want to fight human trafficking, and then you invite the, the officials of, of police, you invite the officials of labor, then you exclude us, the advocates. You don't put us on oh. the same board. Eh? Oh. This means you still, there is nothing that you're doing. You get my point? Yeah. Yeah. This means you're, you're not doing anything. You, 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 you're doing it, but then you're getting the monkey and trying to ask the monkey whether you should burn the, the forest. Mm. What will the, the monkey tell you? It, will, it has nothing to tell you. It will just leave you to, to burn it. You, you, mm. you will not tell you don't burn it because this is how it's surviving. In those campaigns, how many activists and human trafficking activists have you ever seen in those online programs, the, one that, the photos you see or whatever news, how many did you have you ever seen there? I mean, as uh, as a person, of course, I've not I've not really seen the people that I know because I'm also a human rights activist in Uganda. I've done most of the work in Uganda, and because I just moved to Germany, that doesn't make that I've stopped working fighting human trafficking in Uganda. And and that's why I have this podcast to share stories of people. And I've talked to so many survivors of human trafficking who have shared their stories on this platform. Yeah, but also I ask myself all the time, why is it that Small organization like yours and small organization like that one that I work with in Uganda are never funded either by the government nor by the international organizations like those big organizations that we know that fight trafficking. It's, it, the, the reason I've given it to you because mm. the, 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 the recruiters are the government officials. Yeah. So, and even when we point to them and say this, Still, will be told to be too short. Mm. Uh, so uh, then, I just want to ask. I, I maybe I think maybe you just talk, you talked about it. Since that these recruit agencies that recruit people are owned by government officials, that means there is no one to monitor them. No one. They monitor themselves because you see they had a symposium last week, but mm. one. But guess what was there? 
they were just uh, the, the debate or the discussion was not about how do we protect the lives of Ugandans, their rights. It was we should increase from the 30 percent that the government gets per head to 40 percent, 40 dollars. Yeah, from 30 dollars to 40 dollars. That was the discussion. So you can just even imagine. So who is monitoring who? So they think about exploiting Ugandan, selling Ugandan girls into modern slavery as much yes. as they are getting money from it. Yes. Okay. That's really, 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 really difficult to put together. That's what I can say. Yeah. I mean, is it one of the reasons that the government of Uganda has not chose to ban exportation of labor to these countries where girls are subjected to modern slavery? Uh, yes, of course, because mm. uh, because reason being that if they do that, they're going to lose, they're going to be in losses, you know, they're going to be in losses. And uh, and once, once they go into losses, which is not good, because it is on record, yeah? mm. it's on record, and this is an authentic information that I'm giving you, that the government of Uganda, on a monthly basis, earns 1.1 between 1.1 and 1.5 billion Ugandan shillings on a monthly basis from the this labor externalization, the one they call labor externalization, but which we know it is modern slavery. So when we talk about the monitoring and whatever we the advocates we are trying to advocate for, this money is going to be lowered. Because now it is too much reason being it is a business whereby the government and the, and its labor companies are working as brokers, like when you know here system in Uganda, when you construct your house and then the tenant will be brought by a broker, the broker gets a commission. So I, I, I may, we may be interrupted by music. Sorry about that. I don't know whether you're catching me. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm catching the music. But of course you are explaining, you can explain it that music in the background, then after then, maybe we shall find a way of getting rid of it. Yes, so this, it is it is hard for them to stimulate or to say that let us ban these companies because mm. that is the amount of money they get and mm. you know in our economy how much money is that. Mm. So they seem to lose that money. They would either sell mm. human beings and pretend like they don't know what they are doing, but mm. when for them they are earning. Yeah. And what makes it worse is that if they are earning, I wish they would do this money. They would take this money back to Ugandans to get something out of it. Mm. But so no one is, uh, you know, no one is following up. No one is monitoring who. This is why even when they have programs like on media stations, they cannot invite us. For us, we are only invited by the journalists who mm. know our cause. Mm. They, they always fix us there. There is two, for, so far two, two incidences has happened that mm. they, they, they ask for programs, the ministry asks for a program, then they, the journalist realizes that uh, there is no check and uh, someone to check on them. Mm. So they invite me. Reaching when someone calls, whom do I have on the panel? Then they say, Mwiza Maria. The person will drive the car and go back, say, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. Twice I've noticed this. So I mean, it is hard to come and discuss this issue on air. Yeah, of course, it's really hard because they, they they lie to Ugandans that there's no human trafficking, there's no modern slavery being done by the state. 
at the end of the day. Mm. Our dear listener, thank you so much for being with us in this conversation. I'm sorry because of time. I really think we can continue with this conversation in our next episode with Mariam Mwiza as she talks about human trafficking in Uganda, East Africa, in Africa, and globally, and how she is really doing her job as a human rights activist. I hope you join us in the next episode. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode. Hear my true story. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Music by Edwin Matovo, hosted and produced by Otako. Subscribe to our podcast for more stories and visit us on our website, hearmytruestory.com, for more stories. All the links are listed in the show notes of this podcast.